0: You are listening to Venture Church Podcast. For more information, visit jointheventure.com or facebookcom jointheventure. We hope you enjoy. This morning, I want to do something. Uh, I actually did this about a year ago. Uh, I did a magic trick. I don't know if you remember the magic trick. Let's see if I can slide this without it spilling. Uh, I did a magic trick about a year ago, and it, it didn't work out. It actually failed completely. And so <laughs> what I want to do is I'm going to try this magic trick again to get us started. Um, and I think I know exactly where I went wrong. I'll tell you. Uh, first of all, I need to tell you this. In these containers are, are liquids that you would recognize. First of all, what would you say this is? Cook, right? I promise you this cook. I have not tampered with it. This is orange juice. have not tampered with it. This is, I don't know if you can read it. this fruit punch. Okay? Any fruit punch fans in the house? Okay, so I'm going to do something with these things. First of all, there we go. I don't want to explode on me. Um, I'm going to take this, and, and I'm going to pour this into this pitcher, just like so. Now, the magic trick that I'm going to do is pretty awesome. I, I plan to transplant this liquid from this container into another cup, and then using the proper method and magicry, I'm going to have it transform into pure water. All right? I don't know. If, I don't know. We'll see if we can do it. Here we have Coke. So I'm going to take this Coke, and I'm going to pour it in this pitcher. What's in this bottle? So what's going into this pitcher? All right, you're with me, just making sure. All right, and then the final one. Oh, there it went. All the kids' stuff just fell over. Welcome to Church in the Park. Everybody okay? Cool. We say that at my house all the time. Everybody all right? All right. All right, and finally we have some OJ. This is the good stuff, Tropicana. Actually, I like Simply a little bit better. All right, but we got what's in this container. So what's going into this picture? All right, so you guys are sticking with me. You guys are like rocket scientists out here today. So here's the magic trick. In order to do this, I figured out what we did wrong last time. I I gave you the magic word, and it was totally the wrong magic word. I said Alakazam was the magic word. And I went and I looked up. I checked with Harry Potter and Walt Disney. And I found out that that's not the magic word for this trick. The correct magic words for this trick is bada bing, bada boom. Okay? And it only works if everybody does it. So we can practice it one time with me. One, two, three. Bada bing, bada boom. But you're going to do magic, so you got to get involved. So I want you to get your, like this into it. Okay? So ready, set, go. Bada bing, bada boom. Let's go with, um... Bada bing, bada boom. Okay, we're gonna get out and in. Okay, let's try it again. Ready, go. Bada bing, bada boom. Oh, that might work. Alright, so we're gonna try this. And we're gonna take this first picture of what was in here. Okay, so we're gonna say the magic word. Let's practice it one more time. One, two, three. Bada bing, bada boom. Okay, and when we do that, we're gonna say the magic word, pour it in here, and this fruit punch is gonna become what? Pure water. Alright, here we go. Let's see if it works. Magic words, please. Ready, set, go. Bada bing, bada boom. And magically, here. I think it takes a second. Hold on. Wait. That no, just maybe, man. Okay, so it didn't work. All right, so we're gonna try it again. All right, so we're gonna try it again. This was what was in here. Coke. Okay. Hold on, Lucas. You gotta work for me, okay? All right, cool. All right, here we go. Magic words. One, two, three. Bada bing, bada boom. All right, here we go. Magically, it becomes. Oh man. Sal, I worked on this at home. Is just... okay. it did it at home. I didn't even pay him to say that. (sighs) That's my last time at redemption. In this container is... I think I know where this is going. Alright, here we go. Magic word, ready, set. I know what it was. You guys didn't try hard enough. Let's hear it one more time. Ready, go. Oh, this has got to (sighs) work. Totally didn't work. Alright, I think I know what happened here. There's no such thing as magic. That's what happened. There's no such thing as magic. In fact, here's something that I know about this. I've made a lot of drinks in my life, and uh, it never works that drink changes form from one container to the next. Have you ever experienced that in your life? No, because here's what I know about about this trick, is that what you pour in is what will pour out 100% of the time. We could do this trick a 1,000 times, and a 1,000 times later... The fruit punch would still be fruit punch. Now, here's the thing. You heard me do this a year ago, okay? And uh, and I got such a good response from that that day. I was asked to speak at different events throughout the year and different churches even and youth events. And uh, I, I did this basic idea, this basic message, again, I think five different times last year. And so the thing is this. Every single time when I got off the stage and did the message and I said, there's no such thing as magic. What you pour in is what will pour out. Every single time I got the same response. That is so true. That is so true. In fact, I get it, and this is the point. There's no such thing as magic, but we live life like we believe that there is. See, we go through life all the time, and we're just pouring all the stuff into our life, and then we're disappointed when the results aren't what we expect them to be. There's no such thing as magic, yet we live like we believe that there is. The truth is, what you pour in is what will pour out 100% of the time. This is true in, in in school. A lot of you guys are here for a uh, first semester of college, or maybe second, third semester of college. You've seen this in high school. You guys who are parents of students, is this true in school? We see these students, and they're like doing really good. They're knocking down the park, uh, you know, straight A student, dean's list, principal's list. Your parents got that sticker on the back of their car. It says, uh, "My student is smarter than your kid," like whatever it is. And like, and we look at those kids, and we're like, "Man, what is what is so special about them? They must have it. They must have this magical quality about them." But no. There's no such thing as magic. What I'm going to wager my life on is that someone invested in pouring into that kid. Or that kid has been investing in his schoolwork or her schoolwork. There's lots of studying going on. There's lots of paying attention in class. There's lots of getting the projects done. There's lots of not being a brat and cutting up in class, but instead being nice to the substitute teacher instead of making airplanes out of the assignment, right? That was being poured in, poured in, poured out. What what pours out? Good grades, good reputation, dean's list. I'm going to tell you, what pours in is what pours out. It's true in life. It's true in family. It, it, you look at families. I, I, see, I see married couples, and there's a lot of times you look at these married couples, and you're like, man, they got it together. They just got it together, man. Why, why do they have it together so much? Like, they just seem to, they're so happy all the time. They seem to be able to work things out. They don't scream at each other in public. They hardly ever, like, punch one another in the face. Like, how, how do they have that? They must be special. There must be something. No, I'm going to tell you a hefty dose of patience and forgiveness and grace and day by day living together has been poured into that relationship. Hours and hours of communication and working through the moments where we don't understand what each other is saying. That's been poured out. So what pours in? So what pours out? A healthy relationship. It's true in life. It's true in school. It's true in marriage. It's true in child raising. I've got two kids of my own and sometimes I look at other people's kids and I'm like, man, you guys got good kids. Yeah, good kids it must be special. Must have someone special I'm going. I'm gonna tell you what happens with good kids, kids who are having things poured into them like healthy boundaries, good amounts of love, showing what it means to have a mentor and someone who loves you and is pouring into you, someone who's taking the time with you to help you learn. Those things are being poured in. What pours out? A healthy, well-developed kid. And the cool thing is that kid has to take that with them. A lot of kids are raised in really good and healthy homes, and then they kind of fall off the deep end somewhere later in life. Anybody guilty of that? Yeah, I've been there myself. Right? And it's like, whoa. This is not how your daddy raised you, right? It's not how your mama raised you. But what happens then? The kid takes responsibility for what gets poured into their life. And what pours out is a direct result. Guys, there's there's no such thing as magic. But so often we live like we believe that there is and so my goal today is to take a look at that principle from a different angle a little bit different than we did a year ago and ask ourselves what can we learn from this principle how can we take this from here in the park and apply it uh in the car ride on the way home or in our schools or in our places of occupation uh or, or in our families like how can we apply this principle it's a principle that we see all throughout the bible i mean if you grab your bible and you look through it or if you're looking through one on your phone Um, You look through this whole book and, you know, I I said a few weeks ago that this book is basically the story of, of messed up people. Like if you look through the Bible, story after story after story is people who just were trying to get it together or weren't trying to get it together. But whatever the case, they were messed up. What they pour in is what poured out. If you look in the Old Testament of the Bible, which is about the first two thirds of the Bible... You get this section right here. This is the section that's about the history of uh, the Israelite people, the Jews, the Hebrews. And these are God's chosen people. God begins to reveal himself to the world through these people. And time after time after time, we see God sending teachers, sending prophets, sending kings, sending judges to them saying, Listen, guys, God wants you to pour in his principles, his commandments, his guidelines, his specs on how life should go. This is what you should do. But time after time, we see these same people saying, not gonna do it. I'm gonna do it my way. I'm gonna follow the way of my neighbor, or the way of the country down the street, or the way of the king in another nation. And you know what it turns into chaos. We're gonna pick up one specific story in the book of Daniel. Uh, the book of Daniel is is near the old of the, the near the end of the Old Testament. If you want to grab it, either at that website, jointheventure slash park. It'll be right there. Scroll down about. A little over halfway down underneath the song lyrics. Uh, or you can grab it in your, in your paper Bible, on your digital Bible. I've got it on my iPad, so I'm going to put this down. And we're going to be in the book of Daniel, chapter 3. In this time period, what's happened is uh, the whole idea that the Israelites were not letting God be poured in. And so therefore their life wasn't pouring out godly things. Over and over and over again it happened. And so eventually the foundations of the nation of Israel began to crumble. And God sends teacher after teacher after prophet after prophet to go to these people and say, listen, repent, turn back to God, stop doing the things that these other pagan peoples are doing, stop worshiping idols, stop going to all these uh, crazy festivals and feasts that don't honor me, stop doing these things. And they just said, no, we're going to do it our way. So God does an incredible thing here. It's, it's, it's extremely sad, but it's, it's incredible to see what lengths God goes to to show himself to us. He says, fine, if you want to live a life without me in it, Okay, have it your way. This is what God does to the nation of Israel. He pulls his blessing away from them. He says, fine, I'm going to let you be taken over. This group called the Assyrians come in. If you study world history, they're this huge empire that takes over most of the Middle East. And, and, and they come and they basically wipe over the infrastructure of, of what the nation of Israel is. After the Assyrians come, the Babylonians, and the Babylonians kind of just take over the Assyrians. And so by proxy, you end up in Daniel chapter 3, where you've got the nation of Israel under the leadership of the Babylonian king, and his name is Nebuchadnezzar. It's a crazy name. Please do your kid a favor. Don't name him that, but we're going to say it together. Say Nebuchadnezzar. Let's hear it. Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, so that's the king of Babylon. We're going to be in Daniel chapter 3, starting at verse 1. And let's see what King Nebuchadnezzar does. Not only is he trying to take over the nation, but he says, I'm going to try to do something. This is something a lot of good emperors have done through the years. He says, I'm going to help these people lose their identity. So they begin to strip away the Jewishness of what it means to be a Jew. Takes away their religious ability. Takes away some of their cultural identity. Strip, 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 piece by piece. And when we get to Daniel chapter 3, something major is about to happen. Here we go. Daniel 3. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 60 cubits high, 6 cubits wide, and set it up in the plain of Dura, in the province of Babylon. And then he summoned the satraps, and the prefects, and the governors, and the advisors, and the treasurers, and the judges. These are all political leaders, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials. And they came to dedicate the image that he has set up, verse 3. So, the satraps, and the prefects, and the governors, and the advisors, and the treasurers, and the judges, and the magistrates, and all these other provincial leaders, assembled for the dedication of the image of the king Nebuchadnezzar has set up and they stood before it verse 4 Then the herald loudly proclaimed Nations and people of every language This is what you are commanded to do As soon as you hear the sound of the horn and the flute and the zither and the lyre and the harp and the pipe and all kinds of music You must fall down and worship the image of gold that king Nebuchadnezzar has set up Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace verse 7 therefore As soon as they heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, and all the other kinds of musical instruments, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Have you ever just hit rock bottom? Go with me to that place. Have you ever just hit rock bottom? It's that place in your life where you're just like, I don't care anymore. Like, I've given up, and it means a lot of things in a lot of different ways. You, you, maybe you just can't take it anymore. Maybe you've just gotten so drawn up in an addiction or a, a problem that you're just like, I'm, I'm over this. I've, I've had some rock-bottom moments in my life. Uh, I can remember one. We were living outside of Charlotte, and I came home from work that day, and I was just piled on with uh, the worries of the day, and a bunch of stuff in our life was coming together all at the same time. And I remember walking into the door feeling like, okay, I'm going to let this go, and i will be with my family right now. But whatever it was, like, I had just, I was over it, and I just broke. <laughs> I just broke. I, I, I went in and my wife was like, how you doing? Good How's good to see you. And I'm like, I went to the bedroom and shut the door. And she comes in she's like, are you okay? I'm like, just, I need a minute. Have like, you ever been there? Yeah, and I've and i and I've had that, that's like, that was like an emotional rock bottom moment. It was just stress. But like, I've hit, I've hit rock bottom moments with addictions. I've hit rock, rock bottom Almost morally like those are some things like and we've all been there and everyone's got their own rock bottom like I'm, there's not like a rock bottom contest <laughs> right it's everything's relative to what you've been through what do you do when you hit rock bottom you phone a friend you call your 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 favorite uncle you know and ask for advice like what do you do maybe you maybe you uh you hit the bottle or you go to a bar or maybe you start to eat maybe you binge watch a series on netflix i don't know like what what do you do that's an important question to be able to answer uh, I was in high school, it was, uh, <laughs> I was on my way to school, and I was driving my 1981 Mazda 626 to school. The thing was just a clunker, like, barely holding together, mostly zip ties, like, things like, and I'm driving to school, like, halfway there, and all of a sudden, the car just cuts off. It's out, it's done. I'm, I immediately knew what was wrong. I was out of gas. <laughs> and uh, here's the thing, like, I knew I was out of gas, like, on the way home from work last night, um, I saw that I was out of gas, and then I went home anyway, and the problem was, uh, I was 17. And uh, so, yeah, that was the problem. And so I just, uh, I, and, and so, so I'm sitting there. You're running out of gas, right? I, I run out of gas. I remember it was a few weeks later. Actually, I ran out of gas in in the middle of the busiest intersection in my hometown. I was like, sorry, I'm an idiot. Yep, sorry. That's me. Now you're you're in the car and you run out of gas and you got some options, right? The first option might be oh, I need to be studious and get out of my car and walk to school. That won't happen. I, mean, I got priorities, right? I can't just leave my car here. So didn't walk to school. I could have just sat there and like mope. Oh, what was me? I uh, ran out of gas. Maybe the gas ferry will come. Give me some gas. Like, that was an option. Or the most obvious option. What's the most obvious option when you run out of gas? Give it to me. Get, go get some gas. Yeah, go walk, get some gas. What do you do when you hit rock bottom? What do you do when you completely run out of gas? The nation of Israel had hit this place where King Nebuchadnezzar said, listen, I want you to bow down to this idol. And if you don't, you'll be punished. And the thing is, they had quit filling up a long time ago. So when the king comes by and says, listen, if you don't bow down to this idol, uh, it's going to be bad for you. They're like, all right. I mean, we've already sold out this far. Let's just bow down. Their reaction was simply to do nothing. Let's just give in. Let's bow down. Everyone bowed down. Everyone that we know of except for Three guys. Now, if you've heard this story before, it's it's a very common church story. If you grew up in church, especially if you're a kid, there's only like six stories we teach kids growing up. It seems like, uh, and this is one of them. Uh, and and there's these three guys, and they say, you know, everyone's bowing down, but we're not. Their names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They won't bow down. They've got their convictions and they decided that they would not go against their God. One of God's main rules was do not bow down to an idol. I am the one God. Serve me only. Make no images to worship. I am God. You don't need any man-made image to show that I'm here. Look at nature. Look at your life. Look Look at everything and know that I'm here. They said we're not bowing down. Daniel chapter 3 verse 8 carries on and sees what happens when they don't bow down. It says at this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, and the zither, and the and the harp, and the pipe, all kinds of music, must fall down and worship the image of gold. And that whoever does not will be thrown into the blazing furnace. But there are some Jews who have you set some of your affairs, the prophets of Babylon over, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had become leaders in their community. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. You hear what this guy's doing? King, king, notice me. I'm an astrologer, but look at them. They're not bowing down. But whatever the case, that happens, right? They say they neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you've set up. What you going to do about it, king? You said if nobody bowed down, they were going to be in trouble. In my house, there's a no tattling rule. King Nebuchadnezzar didn't have that rule. All the other people in the nation of Israel, they, they, they'd hit rock bottom. They'd given up. they say, all right, fine. We'll bow down. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, no, we're not. They said, no, this is wrong. God said, don't do this. He said, trust in me only. I will provide a way out for you. In fact, the reason we're even under the control of the Babylonians right now is because we gave up following God. We will follow God or suffer the consequences. But we will not bow down. This is the word that the king gets. Verse 13 says, furious with rage. Can you imagine that? King Nebuchadnezzar is one of the most powerful men in the entire world. Have you seen Donald Trump on TV? He don't care what anybody else says. He's like, and I'm rich. <laughs> you know, and that's the that's guy like King Nebuchadnezzar. He's like, what do you mean they didn't obey me? He says, he was furious with rage. Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that... You do not serve my gods or worship the image that I've set up? Surely that's not true. Now, when you hear the sound of the horn and the flute and the zither and the lyre and the harp and the pipe and all kinds of music, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image I've made, very good. Have you ever done this with your kids? Listen, what I said was, go clean your room, don't touch your sister, and if you don't get your pajamas on, I'm going to beat your tail. Did you hear me? Like, this is what Nebuchadnezzar is uh, is saying to Shavrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm going to give you one last chance here. Is it true that you haven't done this? We'll play the music again. We'll see if maybe you just forgot. He said, but if you don't, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. And then, what God will be able to rescue you from me then? That last phrase, man, and then what God will be able to rescue you from me then? What do you do when you hit rock bottom? Like I think some of us get pretty brave and pretty bold about our faith until things get a little hairy. Like until the people at work are like, for what, for what? For real? Are you really saying that right now? And you're like, no, uh, no, nah, nah, I was just seeing what would happen if I did said that and I didn't say that because I wouldn't say that. Like this is Nebuchadnezzar talking to these three guys. What God will save you now? This is a direct affront to God Almighty. And these guys have a chance to see where they stand. You know, this is uh, not the first time that a government official stepped up and said, I'm going to claim the authority of God. Certainly in the last time, we deal with it today all over the world. It's not a soapbox I'm going to get onto right now. It's just the reality of the world that we live in. Let's see how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego reply. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God who we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Listen to this last sentence. But even if he does not, even if he doesn't save us, we want you to know your majesty That we will not serve your gods or worship this image of gold that you've set up. Wow. Like standing in the courtroom before the most powerful man probably in the world at this time. To say, no. I've got my convictions and I know where I stand. What do you do when you hit rock bottom? Where it seems like there's no way out. See, the rest of the world has seven. said so we give in, and we look at these guys, and we say, "How did they have the strength to do that? How did they have the conviction and the resolve to, in the face of certain death, it says that he was already heating the furnace up? It, how do you have?" And we look at guys like that, and we're like man, those guys are they're they're rare. People like that, that's rare. They're, they're special. They got a gift. But there's no such thing as magic. They didn't just do it because they were magically gifted. They weren't Harry Potter. Born to magical parents with special gifts. What they poured in was what was pouring out. We're going to get to that in just a second. It reminds me of a good friend of mine. It's been close to 10 years since I sat around a campfire. Uh, I I volunteer at the summer camp every year. uh, And a lot of the weeks are with high school students. And I was sitting around this campfire. about 2 a.m. in the morning um, with a student, high school student. He's bawling his eyes out. He was telling me all about how terrible this past year had been for him. His parents had separated. It was, it was ugly. Like you've heard of separations. This was like, yeah, the ugliest kind. And he felt responsible for it like a lot of, a lot of kids do. And, and, and as a result of that, he kind of acted out. He did some things he was really ashamed of, embarrassed about. He also got really involved in alcohol and drugs. And it kind of drugged him on a little bit further. And then to top it all off, he was dealing with a whole lot of depression. And he shared with me, hey man, before I came to camp, before my mom made me come to camp this week, I was seriously considering taking my own life. This is how low this guy was. He had hit rock bottom. We're sitting around the campfire. And I I remember being uh, in in that moment going, what do I say to this kid? (laughs) Like he's given, he's given up. And here's the thing. He was raised in a fairly decent home and he'd known about God. And he said, here's the problem that I'm facing. Like I've been at this church camp all week and I've heard people preach and I'm hearing this Christian music and nothing's sticking. Like nothing is sticking. I, I am wanting to hear the voice of God in my life right now. I'm crying out to him in these moments, but it's just... It's not happening. I feel like he's not even there. I feel like my prayers are falling on deaf ears. Have you ever been there? In this moment, I'm sitting there with this friend and I say, look, bud, um, I'm not going to pretend like I understand exactly what you're going through right now, but here's what I know. God loves you and he can heal you from the inside out if you let him. And he's got a plan for you in Jesus. And this kid had heard all this before. He'd been coming to church. I I know, I know, I know. I said, what are you doing every day to make sure that you are tuned in to his voice? Here's a plan. What if we do this? And so this is the plan I laid out for him. I said, you got a notebook? He said, yeah, I got a notebook. I said, that's your new journal. Okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to do it with you. Text messaging uh, had had, had become pretty popular right right around that time. I said, here's the thing, man. We're going to start texting each other every day after camp. And here's the only thing I'm going to require from you. You open your Bible somewhere. We'll, we'll decide on a place, but, you know, wherever. And I want you just to read as much as you can stand that day. If it's just one verse of the Bible, it's one sentence from the Bible, I want you to just read it. And he's like, I don't want to read the Bible. I'm not asking you to read the Bible and do some deep devotion. I'm just telling you, read it. Get into it. And this is the only thing you're going for. Find one nugget of truth that you see in it. One thing that jumps out at you. One thing that you feel like... Okay, I wasn't thinking about that already and now I'm thinking about it because I read it in the Bible. You might find it in one sentence. You might find it in a paragraph. You might find it in a chapter. I want you to do this every day. I want you to write down that nugget in your notebook and then I want you to write out a prayer that all it has to say is, God, I'm trying. (laughs) I'm trying. Will you please help this be real for me? I don't know if that was the best advice in the world, but that's what we did. He's sitting around the campfire and he's like, "I I think I can do this. I think I can handle this. And we start texting day after day. And what's funny is as he started doing this, he, he would text me and say, I just don't want to do it. I was like, I'm not asking you if you want to do it. What I'm telling you is that this is the only way that I know that you need to do it. We began calling this process force feeding. <laughs> force feeding. If you had kids or if you're babysitted uh, and you got a kid who don't want to eat vegetables, like they need vegetables, right? So you do what you got to do to get vegetables down. You disguise them as sweet potatoes or whatever, you know, it's like just eat the vegetables. It's good for you. It's force-feeding. And in the end, you'll be glad that you did. So he starts doing this day after day after day after day. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had a friend who began to invest in them. His name was Daniel. Actually, we're reading from the book of Daniel. And Daniel's the guy who's responsible for the book of Daniel. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came into contact with Daniel very early in their life. And there's a couple of situations, one in Daniel chapter 1, I want to encourage you to go look at, uh, where, you know, He's just sitting there and, and, and the king is already trying to get these young men, these young Jewish men under his grasp. And he says, I want you to do this and this and this and this to be one of the king's men. Several of those things go against God's law. So Daniel says to these men, these young men, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and some other guys, listen, you can't do this. You can't go against God's law. And, and, and they begin to listen. They begin to pour in what God wants for them. They pour in, they pour in. Did it matter at those times? Were they going to get thrown into a fiery furnace if they didn't? No. Is anyone even know what they were doing? No. But what it did was it poured in and poured in and poured in so that then when they came to the time that mattered, the most important time of their life where they stand before the king and have to say, I'm not going to bow down. They weren't running on empty. They were not at rock bottom. They were full to hear and they were able to reach inside and go, no, this is wrong. And I won't do it. Now, I don't know if it was force feeding for them. I don't know how good of a teacher Daniel was. Apparently it was pretty pretty good because there's a book in the bible that he made (laughs) um but the principle that what you pour in is what will pour out it works every time and this isn't something that i made up it's not something that has come from this magic trick it's actually something that comes straight from the mouth of jesus I want to read you from uh, John chapter 15. This is Jesus talking and he's talking about this idea of what you pour in and what you're connected to and how you get your nourishment spiritually. He says in John 15, starting at verse 4, he says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear a fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me because I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. There's, there's trees all around us. And you've been in storms where the branches have fallen out. And when they hit the ground, what do they do? They die. They're no longer connected to the trunk of the tree. And he's using a vine analogy, but it's the same thing. You've got to be being poured into from the source. We talked about this a few weeks ago when we talked about being love agents, didn't we, if you were here. You've got to be being poured into by the source. And Jesus says, that's me. If you are connected to me, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. I sat with that student that night and, and we prayed. And um, he stayed faithful to his forces feeding habits. And we texted for, man, it was probably a couple years. We eventually didn't get to every day. It was like once a week or so. I'm calling, checking in. He's growing. He's growing. He struggled. He struggled and struggled for a long time because for a long time he's like, this isn't real for me. I don't know if it's working. And I was just, no. <laughs> you keep doing it. I'll keep doing it. I cannot tell you how thrilled I was one day. I will never forget. I get the phone call from this guy. and He says, Chris, I've decided when I graduate high school what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. I said, what is it? He says, I want to go to a Christian university and I want to become a minister. I want to like work at a church or work with teenagers or work on a college campus. I want to help other people be poured into by this living water who is Jesus, by this vine. So he he enrolls in the school and he continues to grow and grow and grow. And I'm so excited right now to tell you that today, this day, the guy is on campus at a major university in Virginia and he is in charge of a student ministry program there that reaches dozens and dozens of students every year who are broken, who have hit rock bottom and who say, I simply need to be poured into. And I look at that guy around the campfire and then I look at the guy that I see today and I gotta ask myself, is there something special about him? Is there any magical quality that allowed him to come out of this? There's no such thing as magic. But he was committed to pouring in Pouring in, pouring in. As we close today, I just got to ask you a question. What are you pouring in? Like you get 24 hours every day, right? If I get more than 24, because I totally want to talk to your dealer. Like 24, that's what we get. X amount sleeping, X amount eating, X amount in the bathroom, right? That's taken up. What do you do with the rest of that time? And this isn't just some motivational speaker down by the river guy like this isn't me doing that this is me saying listen what are you pouring in parents what does your kids life look like like how often are they just sitting there being droned out by a tv or an ipad or an iphone or just like mindlessly doing something instead of being poured into i'm not i'm not bashing kids who play ipads my kids love our ipad But the question is are they also getting poured into marriages like how are you pouring into your marriage not just like happy time and happy hour and wherever you want to go, but like God's stuff, spiritual healing stuff. How is that happening for you? Students, like as you look through the next, you know, six, eight, nine months of your life, where do you see that going for you spiritually? I'm going to tell you students that are here today, if you don't get a hold of your spiritual life this week or the next week, it's going to be really hard for you to do that for the rest of this year. I worked in student ministry for 10 years. I'm going to tell you, like, if if you're here today, the first week of school, props to you and this is my goal for you bring a friend back next week not because we need venture church to grow go to a different church i don't care but get your butt into a spiritual community that's going to keep you straight they can pour into you because it's going to be hard and we're going to face kings saying bow down and you're going to say well everybody else is doing it the rest of us we're not off the hook we all have the responsibility of saying what's being poured in to us i want to say this guys if you're here for the first time you're still new to church the best way to get poured into is to find yourself in a, in a community of friends who are, who are trying to do the same. It wasn't that me and this kid around the campfire had it perfect. It wasn't that Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had it all figured out. It was just we said, we're going to do this together. Will you let him pour into you? Jesus said, I am divine. You are the branches. Remain in me. And I will remain in you. When you're in me, you will bear fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. What you pour in is what will pour out. I want to pray for you guys this morning. God, we love you. And it's it's humbling sometimes to step back and look at uh, other people's lives and just wonder, you know, how they got where they were. And, and even my own life and how I got where I am. And I look back at the rock bottom moments. Sometimes I'm ashamed of it. A lot of times I'm ashamed of it. Other times... I'm just glad that you were willing to hold my hand and pull me out. Lord, I pray that through this uh, moment in the park today that we can come together and say, you know, we we don't want to be just a church, like another sign on the street, another t-shirts and graphics and Facebook page or something, but to be a community that can seek you as the fountain of life and have you poured into us. Lord, I pray for anyone this morning who's just kind of trying to find where to begin life, that they'll see the examples of people around them here. And they'll say, I want that. It might take some force feeding, Lord, but help us to seek you every day. Thank you for this beautiful weather that you blessed us with. It could have been rainy or cold, but you gave us this. And so we love you all the more. We love you. We thank you most of all for Jesus. We pray in his name, amen.